Section 17 of Confessions, Volumes 3 and 4. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Confessions, Volumes 3 and 4, by Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Anonymously translated. Section 17 one day among others having purposely gone out of my way to take a nearer view of a spot that appeared delightful i was so charmed with it and wandered round it so often that at length i completely lost myself and after several hours useless walking weary fainting with hunger and thirst I entered a peasant's hut, which had not indeed a very promising appearance, but was the only one I could discover near me. I thought it was here, as at Geneva or in Switzerland, where the inhabitants, living at ease, have it in their power to exercise hospitality i entreated the countryman to give me some dinner offering to pay for it on which he presented me with some skimmed milk and coarse barley bread saying it was all he had i drank the milk with pleasure and ate the bread chaff and all but it was not very restorative to a man sinking with fatigue the countryman who watched me narrowly judged the truth of my story by my appetite and presently after having said that he plainly saw i was an honest good-natured young man and did not come to betray him opened a little trap-door by the side of his kitchen went down and returned a moment after with a good brown loaf of pure wheat the remains of a well-flavoured ham and a bottle of wine the sight of which rejoiced my heart more than all the rest he then prepared a good thick omelette and i made such a dinner as none but a walking traveller ever enjoyed when i again offered to pay his inquietude and fears returned he not only would have no money but refused it with the most evident emotion and what made this scene more amusing i could not imagine the motive of his fear at length he pronounced tremblingly those terrible words commissioners and cellar rats which he explained by giving me to understand that he concealed his wine because of the excise and his bread on account of the tax imposed on it adding he should be an undone man if it was suspected he was not almost perishing with want what he said to me on this subject of which i had not the smallest idea made an impression on my mind that can never be effaced 
sowing seeds of that inextinguishable hatred which has since grown up in my heart against the vexations these unhappy people suffer and against their oppressors this man though in easy circumstances dare not eat the bread gained by the sweat of his brow and could only escape destruction by exhibiting an outward appearance of misery i left his cottage with as much indignation as concern deploring the fate of those beautiful countries where nature has been prodigal of her gifts only that they may become the prey of barbarous exactors the incident which i have just related is the only one i have a distinct remembrance of during this journey i recollect indeed that on approaching lyons i wished to prolong it by going to see the banks of the lignon for among the romances i had read with my father l'astrée was not forgotten and returned more frequently to my thoughts than any other stopping for some refreshment while chatting with my hostess i inquired the way to forez and was informed that country was an excellent place for mechanics as there were many forges and much iron-work done there this eulogium instantly calmed my romantic curiosity for i felt no inclination to seek dianas and sylvanders among a generation of blacksmiths the good woman who encouraged me with this piece of information certainly thought i was a journeyman locksmith i had some view in going to lyons on my arrival i went to the chassette to see mademoiselle du chatelet a friend of madame de varens for whom i had brought a letter when i came there with monsieur le maitre so that it was an acquaintance already formed mademoiselle du chatelet informed me her friend had passed through lyons but could not tell whether she had gone on to piedmont being uncertain at her departure whether it would not be necessary to stop in savoy but if i chose she would immediately write for information and thought my best plan would be to remain at lyons till she received it i accepted this offer but did not tell mademoiselle du chatelet how much i was pressed for an answer and that my exhausted purse would not permit me to wait long it was not an appearance of coolness that withheld me on the contrary i was very kindly received treated on the footing of equality and this took from me the resolution of explaining my circumstances for i could not bear to descend from a companion to a miserable beggar 
i seem to have retained a very connecting remembrance of that part of my life contained in this book yet i think i remember about the same period another journey to lyon the particulars of which i cannot recollect where i found myself much straitened and a confused remembrance of the extremities to which i was reduced does not contribute to recall the idea agreeably had i been like many others had i possessed the talent of borrowing and running in debt at every alehouse i came to i might have fared better but in that my incapacity equalled my repugnance and to demonstrate the prevalence of both it will be sufficient to say that though i have passed almost my whole life in indifferent circumstances and frequently have been near wanting bread i was never once asked for money by a creditor without having it in my power to pay it instantly i could never bear to contract clamorous debts and have ever preferred suffering to owing being reduced to pass my nights in the streets may certainly be called suffering and this was several times the case at lyon having preferred buying bread with the few pence i had remaining to bestowing them on a lodging as i was convinced there was less danger of dying for want of sleep than of hunger what is astonishing while in this unhappy situation i took no care for the future was neither uneasy nor melancholy but patiently waited an answer to mademoiselle du chatelet's letter and lying in the open air stretched on the earth or on a bench slept as soundly as if reposing on a bed of roses i remember particularly to have passed a most delightful night at some distance from the city in a road which had the rhone or saone i cannot recollect which on the one side and a range of raised gardens with terraces on the other it had been a very hot day the evening was delightful the dew moistened the fading grass no wind was stirring the air was fresh without chillness the setting sun had tinged the clouds with a beautiful crimson which was again reflected by the water and the trees that bordered the terrace were filled with nightingales who were continually answering each other's songs i walked along in a kind of ecstasy giving up my heart and senses to the enjoyment of so many delights and sighing only from a regret of enjoying them alone absorbed in this pleasing reverie i lengthened my walk till it grew very late 
without perceiving i was tired at length however i discovered it and threw myself on the step of a kind of niche or false door in the terrace wall how charming was the couch the trees formed a stately canopy a nightingale sat directly over me and with his soft notes lulled me to rest how pleasing my repose my awaking more so on opening my eyes i saw the water the verdure and the admirable landscape before me i arose shook off the remains of drowsiness and finding i was hungry retook the way to the city resolving with inexpressible gaiety to spend the two pieces of six francs i had yet remaining in a good breakfast i found myself so cheerful that i went all the way singing i even remember i sang a cantata of battistin's called the baths of Tomery, which i knew by heart may a blessing light on the good battistin and his good cantata which procured me a better breakfast than i had expected and a still better dinner which i did not expect at all in the midst of my singing i heard some one behind me and turning round perceived an antonine who followed after and seemed to listen with pleasure to my song at length accosting me he asked if i understood music i answered a little but in a manner to have it understood i knew a great deal and as he continued questioning of me related a part of my story he asked me if i had ever copied music i replied often which was true i had learned most by copying well continued he come with me i can employ you for a few days during which time you shall want for nothing provided you consent not to quit my room i acquiesced very willingly and followed him this antonine was called monsieur rolichon he loved music understood it and sang in some little concerts with his friends thus far all was innocent and right but apparently this taste had become a furor part of which he was obliged to conceal he conducted me into a chamber where i found a great quantity of music he gave me some to copy particularly the cantata he had heard me singing and which he was shortly to sing himself i remained here three or four days copying all the time i did not eat for never in my life was i so hungry or better fed 
Monsieur Rolichon brought my provisions himself from the kitchen, and it appeared that these good priests lived well, at least if every one fared as I did. In my life I never took such pleasure in eating, and it must be owned this good cheer came very opportunely, for I was almost exhausted. I worked as heartily as I ate, which is saying a great deal. Tis true I was not as correct as diligent, for some days after, meeting Monsieur Rolichon in the street, he informed me there were so many omissions, repetitions, and transpositions in the parts I had copied, that they could not be performed. It must be owned that in choosing the profession of music I hit on that I was least calculated for. Yet my voice was good, and I copied neatly. But the fatigue of long works bewilders me so much that I spend more time in altering and scratching out than in pricking down and if I do not employ the strictest attention in comparing the several parts, they are sure to fail in the execution. Thus, through endeavouring to do well, my performance was very faulty, for aiming at expedition I did all amiss. This did not prevent Monsieur Rolichon from treating me well to the last, and giving me half a crown at my departure, which I certainly did not deserve, and which completely set me up. For a few days after I received news from Madame de Varence, who was at Chambéry with money to defray the expenses of my journey to her, which I performed with rapture. Since then my finances have frequently been very low, but never at such an ebb as to reduce me to fasting, and I mark this period with a heart fully alive to the bounty of providence as the last of my life in which I sustained poverty and hunger. End of section 17 Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey